0: Welcome to the Watford FC Buzz podcast, the show where we talk about the greatest team in the land, Watford Football Club. My name is Matt Messiano and this week we have a bumper show for you. We'll be chatting about the likely Derby side to face Watford with former Watford and Derby legend Eric Steele. But first, we'll be discussing how Watford have looked so far this season. And when you want to analyse Watford, there's no one really better than in my book than Mr Watford Analytics himself, Jordan Wyman. Jordan... Thanks for joining me. Uh, now, before we get into the analysing Watford part, let me just quickly bring everyone up on the speed on the transfer situation. As last time we discussed transfers and things have changed since since that last week. I mean, things move very quickly in football, but uh, particularly when you're still in the middle of a transfer window and the domestic transfer window is still open. And uh, I think the, 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 the thing on everyone's lips at the minute, Jordan, is Ismaili Asar. Is he going to be going to Crystal Palace or is everything's going to be OK and he's going to stay with Watford? What do you, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not convinced he'll be he'll be actually going to Palace. I think any of the the likely conversations could be around Man United if they decide to come back in for him, but I think Palace is just not enough upside to us and I just don't really see that one happening thankfully, thankfully for us.
0: <laughs> and uh also we we're, we're starting to see the the squad take a bit of shape now as well and and some of the question marks that that had to be answered, the likes of Daryl Yammer, And Craig Dawson, well, those question marks have been answered. Daryl Anmatt, he's packed his bags and he's left in a similar fashion to the way that Danny Welbeck did. And and Craig Dawson has gone back to the Premier League in the form of a loan move that could be made permanent uh, to West Ham United. So on the face of it, it feels like these are reasonably good moves for the club and, and the players involved, Jordan
2: yeah i mean it's, it's a shame in some ways there's no there's no upfront money for uh for craig dawson it's possible there's some sort of loan fee there but i think um getting his wages off the books isn't isn't a bad thing overall he's obviously slipped down the pecking and order a little bit and it seemed like it was likely to go um so yeah i mean it's probably a good move for both sides he had some debts to them and he's uh he's away from the squad with us and that's just that's probably a good thing overall yeah is that is a bit of a shame i kind of I kind of pitched him maybe having some sort of a role, especially as we're kind of in this interim phase of setting our squad. I thought maybe up until January he might just be able to be used as a as a rotation player. But it's uh, yeah, it's something that had to be done. Um, maybe a little bit more surprising because he signed a new contract uh, last last year. So it's one of them things. He's uh, he's coming towards the end of his career and he's got a chance to do that in uh, in Holland probably now. So
0: yeah, I think he'd probably like to go to go back to Holland, wouldn't he? He talked about wanting to do that uh next season if not the if, if not this season so yeah. we wish him well um in terms of incomings there hasn't been uh a lot but there's been the talk still about a left wing back possibly and the likes of joe bennett baba rahman barry douglas ryan manning they've all been discussed but uh it could very well be a, a random poso signing as, as as we know they love to do and or it could be no one jordan what what, what, do, you, what do you think
2: well, I think I think it's most likely that we've we probably had Ryan Manning in mind in a sense that we're kind of keeping tabs on him. Hopefully, if things have been done early enough, maybe we'd have seen uh, some some assets allocated there. If, if we perhaps could have moved to on, got them wages off the books, or or had a bit of bigger sale uh, later in the window, maybe that would be kind of one we'd be looking at. And we're just maybe keeping out the back burner a little bit, but as these other names come up, I think it suggests that it's becoming less and less likely. Especially when you get Joe Bennett mentioned. I mean, that's that's definitely a bridge player we're looking at there. Thirty-year-old coming to the Wars the last uh, year of his contract, relatively low fee. I think that's probably the route uh, the route we're going to go down now in the end.
0: Yeah, I, I saw a poll earlier uh, on on Twitter, and it, and it looked as though the majority of Watford fans wanted Ryan Manning as as uh, over any of the other players so uh perhaps perhaps he's the one that that, uh, that that is that is coveted most but uh we'll have to see what happens there um let's move on now to, to discussing rather analyzing Watford and and how they've been we've had a chance to, to to watch them over over the first few games and um how is Ivic predominantly trying to play
2: well, I mean, it's still obviously very early, early days, especially when he's not had that that preseason. Um, I think we're still we're still building things. It still looks a little bit raw in areas. Um, we've obviously started kind of with that defensive off the ball shape that's kind of been the foundation of things. Uh, we've still given away a few individual errors and there've been, there've been some chances of the opposition, but on the whole, as a unit off the ball, we've looked pretty solid. Um, it's now just integrating that that forward play. We've seen flashes of it in some games. I mean, the preseason against Tottenham is probably the best example. We saw some of it against Luton where we're able to get them uh, get wing-backs going and create the space for them. I think we still look a bit a, a bit rough around the edges in our offensive build-up and, and getting that support to our wing-backs that we need. Um, we still seem to be uh, shifting between that 3-4-3 and the 3-5-2. Personally, I think we look a lot better in, with that three-man midfield. A lot more movement than just uh, just breaking them lines, really. But going forward, it's just integrating that, um, that offensive uh, production as well on top of that defensive work.
0: So in that 3-4-3, three, three, how is it if it's trying to, to move the ball through that formation? What's his goal? Is he trying to flood the box with crosses or is he trying to move the ball through the middle? What's his, um, What's his game plan?
2: Well, I think that's kind of actually been part of the problem. Um, once once you're in that three four three, you're, you're naturally going to be looking to use to use width. Um, we try and get them inside uh, inside forwards in a little bit more, keep them wingers a bit more narrow to cr- kind of create some angles. But I think we have struggled a little bit with the central midfield. Um, the two man midfield we've had in there, they're not the most forward thinking. Uh, Cleverly's worked really hard. He's he's a good shift and he, he he does get some simple passes going. Same with Chalaber, but his re- ball retention has been quite poor, and looking forward, it's not really been good enough. So we have been kind of forced into that route of uh, of going down them wide areas, and it's kind of been quite obvious for the opposition. So we've struggled a little bit there, um, especially too, because we don't have a recognised front man that you could you could knock the ball to early. Not that we necessarily want to play that way, but if you're looking for someone to to take hold of the ball, options forward are quite difficult. So we're asking a lot of our midfielders, and when the wing backs get the ball if they haven't got a good option they're kind of forced into that, shifting the ball home to the centre back or goalkeeper or playing inside and then you just recycle and start again so we've seen a lot of the play early on uh, in our own half on the halfway line struggling really to get anything um, going forward so I think that's where the 3, four, three is just not quite worked out yet um, personnel wise you'd look at it and think okay great we've got options wide you could play Jao uh, Pedro or Esmail Asal there now but it's just having that, that central striker if we are really to get things going there as well as um, perhaps a more forward-thinking uh, midfielder whether that's Etienne Kapu or Will Hughes or you know whoever comes in
0: yeah you mentioned them there Jordan both Kapu and, and and Hughes potentially could be available for this game and, and as now we know that Kapu staying and and that Hughes is it seems unlikely now to move away although there's a still potential that could happen do you think that those two could come straight in for the derby game or or, or do you think it may be a bit too early?
2: Uh, I think probably a bit too early for Kapu. I think there's still some work to be done there. I I, I just don't see Ivic reintegrating him straight into the first team this early. I think he's going to have to kind of prove himself a little bit, even if we all know deep down that he's going to offer a lot in there and we all wanted to play. Will Hughes has a chance. I mean, he was only out through injury, so if he's if he's up to speed, fitness wise, then yeah, I could see him being thrown in there. Um, it it'll be interesting to see how we decide to go with this midfield now. We've got a few a few different options. Uh, and I think we'll we'll maybe see a little bit of a shift in mentality, and 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 now for Ivić, he's he's got two two talented players in 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 areas that he didn't really have before. Um, they're different to the other centre midfielders we've got, so he could uh, he could change things um, to to accommodate them now. I think.
0: Have we seen Ivić um, utilize both of the formations in the same game yet?
2: Yeah, we we switched between the two. Um, we switched between the two in the last game. Um, Against Reading, we started in that um, in that three-five-two, and once Tom Delibasicu went off injured, introduced Sema, and then things switched to that that three-four-three. Um, eventually, later on in the game, we ended up switching back to the three-five-two once Tom Cleverley came on, um, but it didn't really quite work in the same way. I think Tom Delibasicu was was much better in using the space and getting into them areas to receive the ball cleverly ended up drifting out wide himself to try and create them triangles with uh, himself, Semmer and, and uh, Wilmot on the left but didn't really come off um, so I think there's a chance we'll see that a little bit too that fluctuation um, formation we have kind of got the personnel we can we can mix that around without making too many subs so it could be depending on our position um, but this week is going to be quite quite a tough one to break down so I think it's, uh, it's finding the best route is the, uh, is the priority
0: So thinking about Derby then, what do you think would be the the formation you'd, you'd likely to start with against them?
2: I mean, personally, I think if, if you're looking if you're looking to actually exploit Derby in, in the best way possible, you you want to have that three-man midfield. Um, you need someone in that attacking area, that number ten area, that can pick up the ball and and look to play forward. Uh, something that Derby have done a lot this season is they've sat pretty deep, um, especially if you saw the Norwich game. Uh, they sat very deep and soaked up pressure. They. have Recently switched to a to a back the back five in that game also so they're going to get numbers back and they go look try and to try and break on you and hurt you that way so I think having someone in there that can probe whether that's Domingos Quina if Will Hughes has played more advanced and he comes back I think you need to have some options there I, I do worry about us getting caught up in them wide areas and spending too much the game trying to get balls into the box I don't think it's going to be particularly effective for us um, so yeah I'll be looking at that midfield as a as a position to, to target in this one.
0: And in terms of personnel up front for Watford, who do you think could come into this one, Jordan, to uh, to start the game?
2: I think we're still a little bit hamstrung, just with availability. Um, Parisha's still not available for this one, which is a shame. I think he would have, uh, have offered something. So I think you're going to see Pedro. Um, you're probably going to see Sar too. Whether or not it has a front two or not, I'm not quite sure. Um, Andre Gray could potentially be back. Same with Troidini. so there's a chance there that you get the... Um, you get that, that option to put them in there straight away. It's, it's going to be one that I feel like it's going to go right down to the wire, honestly, if if uh, fitness is going to be considered. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're going to have to be flexible with it. It's not going to be perfect, but we've got to kind of try to find a way to to integrate them all and, and work out the best way we can actually create some sort of cohesive attack.
0: In the last fixture, Jordan, Wayne Rooney proved how much quality he still possesses, putting in a fantastic free kick in against Norwich. Uh, how pivotal could he be against Watford on Friday?
2: Uh, well I mean they've they've tried to create this kind of double pivot of Rooney and Bird, which hasn't really quite worked out. They're they're two of their better players, obviously, but I, I think they're the ones to, to watch. I mean, that that central midfield area that, that could be the place that could hurt us again. So if if they can get that going, then that would be ideal for them. Apart from that, they've they've kind of struggled in, in a lot of areas. Um, they struggle to create clear-cut chances. A lot of their shots have been from distance. They've kind of relied on that, even over the last few years. They've kind of relied on that. They struggled to build up that um, them high possibility, high likelihood chances. Um, I mean, even if you look at xG, expected goals um, per shot, they're 23rd in the in the table. From the expected goal ratio is 0.06 per shot. So the, they they are struggling to create them clear-cut chances, but they are going to try and be defensive and gritty. They could try and grind you down. They do try and play from the back. They do actually end up having a lot of possession. They're just struggling to really kind of get that into anything threatening. Um, so they're going to see a lot of passing from the back, the back three, if they play that back three. A lot of ball in the field, but not quite able to get it forward. I mean, there's some similarity to us, but they're, they're a much more extreme version.
0: Last season, Philip Coccu managed to, to, to get them to 10th, which is a, a decent showing from Derby. But um, I think he would have hoped to, to have a better start than they've had they've um they've only managed to win one of of the four games they've played do you, do you think that uh, it was a turning point for them winning against norwich in their last last game out or do or you think that they, they they've still got problems that they need to sort out and potentially those problems could continue against watford
2: i mean i'd, I'd hope they continue i think there's a good chance they do um cocky prefers that 4-2-3-1 wants to be a little more expensive but he just hasn't been getting the reaction from the players that he needs it hasn't quite been working out so whether he feels like through this period he just needs to do what he has to do to get a win then yeah maybe we'll see him continue with that change of style or maybe he'll feel more um, feel more pressure at home to kind of switch things back up a bit and try and play a bit more on the front foot obviously going away to Norwich is a is an intimidating task for him. So perhaps he was just, uh, being a bit pragmatic there and he might kind of not continue that. On the other hand, it got a result. So perhaps he'll, he'll push on with that. It's, it's kind of tough to say, but I think ultimately, um, it, it's not currently the, uh, the manner that he went, wants to play in. So it could change any game.
0: A couple of signings that they've brought in Camille, Josuiak and, and Jordan Ibe. I mean, I mean Jordan Ibe is a, a really decent signing for Derby and, uh, you know what I've seen of, of Joselu—he he looks like he, he's a handful as well. I mean, it's surprising that they haven't really managed to get get them playing yet. But uh, you know, they, they've certainly got the potential there, Derby, to be a real force this season, and, and they've got really good youngsters there as well. In fact, they've got one of the best academies uh, in the country, jo- uh, Derby. So, I mean, you, you feel like everything's there, ready for them. They just need to you know, sort of connect the dots, almost.
2: Yeah, I mean, they've got, as you said, a really good young, young side. They've, they've got some really good academy, academy players coming through. And there's a lot of promise, but they, it's just integrating that with the, with the first team and having that mix of seniors and, and young pros and just getting it moving together. I mean, clearly they've lacked, probably for the most part, um, of two years. Now they've lacked a focal point, they've lacked a striker. Um, they've still not really kind of got that yet. So until they do, I think it's going to be a case of spreading that, um, that production load across across the team and they've done a decent job of bringing, in some, bringing in some guys that could do that but yeah I think it's that striking option that's just kind of holding them back right now
0: Coming back to Watford Jordan and um, I've got a question for you from one of our listeners, they want to remain anonymous but uh, they've said they're not very happy with um, the way that Ivic makes his substitutions he, this individual feels that um, the, the substitutions are coming too late And um, and also that it may not be the right substitution. I'm thinking perhaps he is maybe referring to when um, Ken Semmer came on uh, and then played in a sort of like a a central midfield role as opposed to the left wing back role that we uh, are more familiar with. And and I suppose sometimes the substitutions have been coming a bit later on, haven't they? I, I wonder what's your opinion on this one, Jordan?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a difficult one. He's he's had a few occasions where he's had to deal with injuries um, and he's trying to shift things in uh, in terms of systems. So Perhaps sometimes he's just trying to make an impact. Uh, I mean, it seems a an age-old thing with, with managers and coaches that there's always a frustration of changes coming too late, but he's had a lot to consider. Um, he's had a squad that he's still trying to find his best team, I think, in some ways, and he's not really had a chance to get to see him play uh, in competitive matches yet. So, it's going to be a bit of a process, I think, for the, for the opening few games. And hopefully once things become more settled and he, he's more aware of what he has, we might see uh, more consistent use of substitutes going forward.
0: Uh, do you think you'll have a better idea of his, of his squad now that that, uh, that transfer window is, is coming ever closer? Or, or, or do you think it's going to just go right up to the wire?
2: I think, I think you're going to have that situation where he's going to have that idea of this, these are the players that are most likely going to stay. There's a couple that, that could go, there's a couple that could come in. So I think as long as he understands that core group, I imagine he'll be working with them during the week. I think some of the ones that are kind of up in the air right now, whether that's Troy Deeney or, or maybe Esmail Assar, but I think maybe he'll be integrated. He'll be using some more during the week. But that Troy Deeney figure, he might not be going through the kind of pre-game stuff that he would normally be if he was going to be a starter. Uh, maybe just for preparation reasons, he might try and just use them players that he's pretty confident he's going to have. Um, in terms of incoming, I kind of feel like we're at the point now where if someone did come in, I still don't think we'd see them play. If a left-back was to, to, to join the next couple of days, I think there's going to be a little bit of a time period uh, for him to get up to speed. So I think it's just a case of going through that, um, that pre-game uh, training session and, and knowing who's playing where and just kind of getting that understanding going. And then going forward, we'll have a better idea. I think it all starts after Friday
0: excellent stuff. That's the voice of Jordan Weimer, and you can follow him on Twitter at Jordan Wymer for all the best analytical information from a Watford perspective. Next up I talk to a very special guest about how Derby have been going this season, Eric Steele. Welcome back to the Watford Buzz podcast. Now, earlier in the show, we spoke to Jordan Weimer about how Watford are shaping up for Derby, but just how are Derby looking going into this game against Watford? Well, to answer that question and more, I'm delighted to speak to a former Watford and Derby legend, Eric Steele. Eric, uh, thanks for joining me. You've been watching Derby this season, and I, I think it's fair to say that This season, they've started off on the wrong foot. They've picked up three defeats on on the bounce. But in their last fixture against recently relegated Norwich, they picked up a a 1-0 victory, courtesy of one Mr. Wayne Rooney. Eric, could this be where the Rams finally get back on track?
1: Well, it's been a difficult start. I mean, we've obviously, we've all encountered the problems of um, COVID. And Derby, as you say, did not, it looked looked in terms of the, the fixtures for the first three games, they looked winnable games. Unfortunately, Derby just did not come back with the form that they'd had after lockdown where the finish was 61 points. And they really were disappointing uh, in the opening three fixtures, Reading, Luton and Blackburn. Um, But went to Norwich, changed the formation, change of attitude, had a crisis meeting on the Monday after the, the Blackburn game, worked on obviously team shape and ended up going to Norwich and really got a very, very good result.
0: The boss, Philip Cock, who told BBC Radio Derby after the game, I think the main reason for the win is I saw an absolute team performance where everybody gave their best and that's what we need to see every game. Is that um, a fair statement from, from the boss? And do you think that's exactly
1: what they need to, to see going forward? Well, it was, it was something that was a collective effort. You know, I've been, we've all, I've been in there where you have these crisis meetings and you um, everybody's allowed to say whatever they want to, want to say with response and it's taken in the right way. And I think that had a really, really good effect. The players obviously voiced their opinions. Um, They changed the system. The manager said, really, right, okay, we accept what what you've said. Worked on a a new system, which they did, um, and looked very, very solid in the opening 35 minutes and really grew into the game. They could have lost the game. I mean, David Marshall had to make one world-class save, um, one very, very good save. And then, of course, you've always got um, world-class moments available in in the the maestro, Wayne Rooney, and he came up with a terrific free kick. So Derby are going to be, really, they probably didn't want the international break, Matthew. They wanted to to go really into the next fixture as quickly as, but trust me, they know that the up-and-coming fixture against Watford is going to be a very, very tough game.
0: Now, um, Philip Coccu, the manager, he he had a A pretty decent campaign last season. He guided them to 10th and he's introduced a a style of play that has been
1: termed, at least around Derby, as koku ball. Eric, can you elaborate a little bit on what cocku ball is? Well, what basically it is because of that. It's very much the Dutch way where he plays, whether he plays with a a back three or whether he plays with a back four and then he has two sitting midfield players and the, the, the traditional now number 10 behind a front three. And what he tried to do when he came in is he obviously hadn't. It wasn't his team. It wasn't his squad of players when he inherited the team. The first real sign of one of his uh, players being influenced within the dressing room on and off was when Wayne Rooney came in last January. Mm. And it's a very much a Dutch style where you build from the back. It's a patient build-up. And it was it was one that was in total contrast to Frank Lampard, who was very much attack-minded. Um, but then Derby... Have, if Watford uh, people are listening to this they have to appreciate they had three fantastic loan signings in mason mount harry wilson and tamori from chelsea now they they went so you had a new style with a new manager with a squad of players that he hadn't inherited or brought in whereas now uh, he did have time after january with wayne rooney's influence to all of a sudden get that nice mix and blend with some of the young players so that that style of play uh, and he has mixed it up now. The, he has He's had his critics, um, that it's too slow, it's too ponderous. Uh, and what basically has happened is, certainly in the opening two, three games, opposition teams had sussed Derby in the way they played. And they high-pressed, they squeezed Derby, they couldn't get that type of play going, building through the thirds. So they went to Norwich and the approach was totally different. They very rarely played from the back, which was, as you say, the cock way. Mm. They went with a still a very, very good game plan where they played slightly longer, uh, got up the field, supported, and then you had Wayne Rooney playing as a number nine and it looked a much more effective playing system. So everybody in Derby, I'm sure, as in Watford, would be very interested to see how the team lines up on Friday um, and then obviously how they actually play.
0: Right, I see. So basically you're saying that uh, he, he didn't have the players that... That were who his own players to begin with and and now he's starting to to, to build that and, and and trying to build something at Derby. I suppose the fans probably got a sense of what improvements to the squad were needed uh, after watching last season and Derby have made a couple of of, of decent summer summer signings, but uh, do you think that they've managed to achieve ultimately what the fans have been asking for?
1: not yet, no I think the the fans of the fans Derby are very knowledgeable, very patient. Um, and what they're really saying is we haven't got a number nine yet, and here we are with the loan system coming to a close. That's the one thing all the derby fans are wanting. We've not replaced Chris Martin. Uh, Jack Marriott's had a go, but not really uh, fulfilled that role. and Especially the way Cocker wants to play, he needs a number nine that will hold up, the, hold up the ball. Uh, you know, really go up against the centre half. Then we get the number ten around. We get the wingers coming in. We've had Jazwiak who's really has looked a good buy so far, uh, who's come in from Poland. Uh, Taviric, the defender, has come in. But it's been really, the the mainstays have been some of the younger players. You know, we did blood four or five academy players last season, uh, which worked then, but you can't do that. Uh, So it was a very much more experienced team that went to Norwich, and I think that will be, I think, followed again on Friday night against Watford.
0: How do you think they're... um... That they're viewing the Watford game, Uh, Eric. Do you you think that they're they're worried at all? Does does Watford squad worry them, or or do you think that it's uh, you know, it's just it's just another game. It doesn't matter who it is. You know, they just have to. No,
1: I think I think obviously they knew that this was going to be when the fixtures came out. That's why they were disappointed they didn't get points from the first three games, because they knew then they were going to be playing potentially teams that have been in the Premier League in the last two years in Norwich, Huddersfield. and then we've got, after that, obviously Norwich. So Norwich, Watford, Huddersfield are the, the three fixtures. Mm. So Watford's still with premiership players in there. I mean, when I look at it, when I actually started to look from a preview for the game on Friday, I'm, I'm looking and going, at the moment, you, you, you're, you're losing players um, every other day. You know, with the Corey gone, <laughs> Delphiugue yeah. loaned out, Dawson loaned out, mm. Pussetto on loan, Welbeck left, Jan left. Um, so you've, you've had quite a change around in terms of Watford Football Club as well, uh, with stability, a change of manager, yeah. uh, but you will always have the fact that you're still a pedigree team that have come down and looking to prove what they can do. And obviously you want to bounce back with Ivic, the new Serbian manager, he'll be wanting to get the bounce back effect very quickly and try and get up that league, which at the moment you're quite suitably placed with seven points.
0: So who could make the difference then on the day from from a Derby point of view? Who's who's the sort of players that uh, the Watford fans should be hoping uh, are injured or unavailable on Friday?
1: (laughs) Well, obviously, you've got the master, Wayne Rooney, who's got the world-class moments within him. Um, You have got Joziak and Holmes in the two wide players. So they they have a massive influence. Um, They've got, uh, obviously, a very experienced goalkeeper in David Marshall. Uh, then they've got a back, it'd be interesting to see what he, which system's played, whether he plays with a back three or back four. Um, we've got two real dogged midfield players in Shinny, the experienced Scotsman, and Jason Knight, who's one of the academy players, who was the top player at Norwich. So yeah, we've got, um, obviously, if Rooney plays up top, if the number nine doesn't come in, you're obviously going to look forward to seeing him play. Uh, and then the two wide players. Uh, but all in all, I, th- I still think it'll be a really, really good game. I'll uh, be very interested to see how Watford approaches. Um, obviously they're playing with a three at the back, 3-5-2, uh, so I'll be very interested to see the makeup of Watford's team as well, with you know some of the people on the bench I know well, cleverly Glenn Murray, um, whether they get a, an impact coming off the bench, or whether they actually start the game, so I think a lot of it will be when that team sheet comes in, uh, it'll be both teams looking and going, ah, didn't expect that, so certainly with, with Derby, they're praying that the number nine may arrive in time to play against Watford on Friday night. Uh, so in so in terms
0: of goalkeeping terms, then Eric, uh, you, you you've got sort of a a foot in both camps because uh, you, you know you know both the keepers.
1: I know Ben Foster really well. Um, terrific, um, absolutely, top top pro to be playing at the level that he's played at and still playing now. All credit to him with the injuries that are well documented. Uh, he's really made a terrific career for himself. I spent two years with him at um, Manchester United where. Um, he played, obviously, he was competing all the time with, with Edwin van der Sar and Thomas Kuzak. Um, played for his country while I was there, played in the Carlin Cup final, and had a what a game. If ever you wanted to look at a, a performance from a goalkeeper, I've handed the video over many, many times uh, to younger goalkeepers because in that final against Tottenham, he did everything. He's shot stopping, his ability to take crosses, he's punching. Uh, his distribution it was a terrific performance uh, and he actually won man of the match that day. so yeah all credit I really am looking forward to seeing him and his performance. Um, delighted for him. He's made a fantastic career for himself and great credit top pro. Uh, David Marshall I've seen from a distance he's a really a, he's a championship goalkeeper. if you look at where he's been you know his successes where he's had at Cardiff Hull, Norwich as well where he started and he really did come into the four in his last game. Little few dodgy moments initially, but then he would have been getting used to playing with the team. Um, but yeah, very very solid goalkeeper. Obviously being away on international duty, so yeah, you've got two very very good custodians at either end of the field on Friday.
0: And can you remind me who the um, who the, the the
1: backup goalkeeper is there at Derby? I, the backup goalkeeper is Roos, a Dutchman who's played over about a hundred games now. He's been at the club about six years. I brought him in from a non-league. Uh, when I was actually on the staff with Steve McLaren and Paul Simpson. Uh, well, I think we paid £15,000 for him. And he, we, never, we didn't expect him to go into the team because we had Lee Grant and then Scott Carson. Mm. So, but he has got in the team. He's also been away, played, played for Wimbledon, uh, had loan moves, done really well. So he's the backup, very, very capable, had a fantastic game uh, when we played Barrow in the Cup, first game of the season nil nil he made three unbelievable penalty saves in order for derby to get through unfortunately then they went and lost at home to Preston so yeah that's the backup goalkeeper then so i really am looking forward to seeing the performances of both goalkeepers
0: yeah and in terms of foster i mean he just keeps doing it and he you know he's not getting any younger but is you know how is it that, that, that top keepers can keep going for such a long time
1: i think it's the fact that he's, his longevity has come from the fact that he's maintained his body and he's really understood the injuries that he's had. I mean, I was at when I was at Man United. He had a problem with the knee, and then he's had that since. I think with the opposite knee. So be, if he's an outfield player, I don't think he'd be playing. Um, but he's still got an unbelievable appetite. He's obviously taken as well documented of his um, the personal physical regime that he's took on, where he's mm-hmm. on this bike nearly every other day. Yeah, he loves cycling, uh, doesn't he? Yeah, <laughs> he loves the bike, and that's well documented. So you don't you don't stay in this game as long and perform as well as he has done. I mean some of the saves, the performances he had last year, uh fantastic to watch. Yeah. Uh but all credit to him. You have to do a lot off the field to continue and have longevity in this game and with the pace and the tempo of the game. So again, it's all credit to Ben and his attitude off the field as well as his performances on the field.
0: Yeah, and then and last season he was battling against Aurelio Gomez, who uh you know, is also a top keeper in his day as well. And it, you know, it, I suppose it, it was justified that Ben was, uh, you know, the one, the number one shirt over him when he came to the club.
1: Very much so, yeah. But you know, if you're if you're if you're at a club at the level of Watford, you need two, you need three. If you're in the Premier League, you don't just need one goalkeeper; you need three goalkeepers mm-hmm. to play in the Premier League. You've got to have your number two ready. Um, you know, with the drop of a hat, it's a red card or an injury. Um, so ultimately, you have to be prepared and that's why there was. you need healthy competition. And obviously, you've got that with uh, your backup goalkeeper in terms of Backman. Um, he'll be doing everything he can in training. Well, Ben will take that on, he'll accept that challenge. And that really is probably why with his um, regime off the field, he's being challenged each day in training by Backman and that's what's going to keep his level of performance up and long may it continue. So um, ultimately, really, it'll be, we know, Derby will know, um, in order to win the game on Friday night, they've got to, they've got to get the ball past a very very good goalkeeper.
0: I don't suppose you saw the uh, the highlights of Backman in the in the, the cup game that recently recently gone when he uh, he, he stopped the uh, the penalties and he, he stopped all penalties that was faced against him. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah I did. And again, that's why I'm saying your, your, your quality of your number one is sometimes down to the the quality of your number two. So Ben will have seen and noted that performance, and he's gone. You know, he knows he's got to maintain his level. Of performance when you have got something like backman playing as he has, very similar to Ruse, you know them Derby and they're not, they're not in a position whereby they go, yeah, David Marshall's the number one purely. He, David Marshall, no, and seen Kellerruse perform as he did against uh, Barrow, that that is what you want. You want that to push your number one, and that that's good management. You need your number two, you need your number three, mm. and that sometimes is if they maintain performance. Think of the battles that you've had. Uh, I mean, what, why Edwin van der Saar maintained his, his career was the fact that he had people like Ben Foster, Thomas Kuzak, a young Ben Amos, Sam Johnson um, coming up in behind him. And that's what you want. And I'm sure that's what every manager in Premier League Championship wants. You want a squad of players that's going to threaten and make sure there's competition for every position.
0: So, judging from what you've seen so far, and maybe it's a bit unfair because they've started poorly, but... How good a season do you think Derby can have this year, as long as everything goes right for them?
1: Well, it, everything goes right. That's a, that's a difficult one. The balance of the squad isn't right until we get this number nine. I've often said to get in the top six of this championship, you have to have somebody who's going to score you twenty, twenty-five goals. You might be asking the same question now of who's going to go, who's going to score the goals for you. You know, if you manage to hold on to Saar, who's going to score the goals for Watford? That really is Derby's situation at the moment. You know, the finish was sixty-one points. Um, I think they'll be they'll be delighted that they get five, six points above that. 71 points, 72 points is normally enough to get you into playoffs. So at the moment, Derby, you know, at the, the wrong end of the table, they'll need to consolidate quickly, um, certainly get somebody who's going to score the goals. They'll hopefully have people like uh, Waghorn back, Lawrence back, which will help the front line. I always say, if you look at last year, Matthew, look at um, Brentford. That's the sort of um, return you want from a front three. Fantastic, where they've got 60 goals between them. Now, if you're not going to get 60 goals from there, that's where Derby are looking and saying where the goal is going to come from. And at the moment, we need to get that number nine. We know Rooney will chip in with seven, eight goals. Some of the younger players have done that. Waghorn last year, 12 goals. So I think that really will determine very much if we get the nine in, the nine hits the ground, we get some support, we get some consistency. And obviously the first thing is to aim and get in that top half. And then if you're in that top half and in around January, February, then you can start thinking about the, the playoffs and ultimately promotion. Mm.
0: And uh, in, in terms of the Watford fixture, do you, do you think that uh, Derby will change anything for, for, for that game uh, in terms of maybe style or, 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 or personnel? Or do you think that uh, it'll be similar to, to how they played against Norwich, just knowing that they, they got the victory there and, and why change anything?
1: I think it'll be I think it'll be very interesting to see and, and also this is the time of the in, in the week where the managers are on broken glass waiting for players coming back from international duty. Mm. So if he gets a fully fit squad um it'd be very interesting to see how he lines up. The way they did play is very much it was very much a 5-4-1 to start with but that can be very easily turned around into a very positive uh 3-5-2 but like Watford play or 3-4-3 three, Um, So I think it will depend very much on players available, he's bound to be tempted Koku, that if he hasn't got his number nine in to leave Wayne Rooney up there and if Waghorn or Lawrence are fit I could see them being brought back in but again it will depend very much on the fitness. And if I had to push you to uh, predict a score for me Eric what what do you think? Unfortunately I never predict scores Ah. because especially when it's two of my old teams I suppose and because we mentioned the goalkeepers, a nil-nil draw would be the ideal result <laughs> for me, but I never predict a score. So I'll help you in every way, but I've never, ever done that, whether I'm Five Live, Radio Derby, or helping you on a podcast.
0: Fair enough. That's okay. Well, Eric, thanks for joining me on the Watford Buzz podcast. I hope you've enjoyed chatting football with me.
1: I have, and I look forward to seeing, unfortunately, I would have looked forward to seeing some of the, the stalwart uh, Hornet fans that um, I still see. I've enjoyed going back there as a coach, um, enjoyed my time as a player for five years, and I've enjoyed going back there, friendly club, family club, um, and looking forward to seeing the team play. Unfortunately, again, it's not going to be with the fans, which is the sad part, but uh, not a problem. Good stuff. Well, that's sadly
0: all we've got time for on today's episode. Eric will be back with us, though, in a future episode discussing his life when he was at Watford for those five years and also about his time working under the great Sir Alex Ferguson, so make sure you look out for that future episode. If you've liked what you've heard today, make sure you give us a follow on Twitter, retweet the show and share the show on Facebook so that more fans can listen in, and together we can start a buzz about the Watford Buzz podcast. That's it from me though, bye for now.